0: 66, 6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain.
1: Welcome to 6640, Dr. Chuck Missler's daily radio program connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. This series is entitled, Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. In today's study, Dr. Missler begins his introduction of this exciting study through the whole Bible.
0: Well, welcome to our excursion called Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. It's uh, one of the most exciting adventures I've ever had. And we certainly hope it will be for you, too. And whenever we take on something like this, of course, the first thing we should do is take it to prayer. So let's borrow our hearts for a word of prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you this day in awe and thanksgiving for the opportunity to discover the extremes that you have gone to on our behalf. We acknowledge our need to learn the real truth about you, the real truth about your creation, and the real truth about ourselves. We seek and solicit your Holy Spirit to open your word to us and to open us to your word and to guide us as we explore this adventure between the miracle of our origin and the mystery of our destiny. May your will be accomplished in each of us as we listen to these words and seek your eternal truth, as we commit ourselves into your hands, in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen." You know, they say no person's education is complete if they do not know their Bible. And this essential completeness has been outlawed in our government schools. Many of our children are actually in enforced paganism. So it's a real challenge before us. And one of the things we need to do is repair our own illiteracy about the Bible and to assist those around us to really understand how far God has gone on our behalf. You know, George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. The veneration of the Word of God characterized the earlier leadership, which established our precious heritage. Abe Lincoln also said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. You know, it's sobering to really acknowledge the preciousness of our heritage that has come to us at such a high price, and yet how tragically we have fallen. Patrick Henry said, the Bible is worth all the other books which have ever been printed. And for the past 2,000 years, it is a treasure that millions willingly died for. And yet we all tend to take this for granted. Even Napoleon said, the Bible is no mere book, but it is a living creature with a power that conquers all that oppose it. See, even secular leaders have acknowledged its uniqueness. In fact, Napoleon was technically correct if you look at Hebrews 4.12. It is alive and powerful. You know, there's another quote that is so often misquoted. Many of us heard the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none that's attributed to Ben Franklin, but it's actually a misquote. That's not what he said. He actually said, Jack of all trades, master of one. His whole concept of education was that a cultured person is one who knows something about everything and everything about something. And for a Christian, of course, his specialization has to be the Word of God, the Bible itself. And your presence here in this project is a key step in correcting our biblically illiterate times. Daniel Webster said, If we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we and our posterity neglect its instructions and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all our glory in profound obscurity. We are on a treacherous precipice, more treacherous than we can possibly imagine. You know, we do have authority crises. Take your pick. Whether it's parental authority, marital authority, political authority, academic authority, or ecclesiastical authority. Do your own analysis and assessment. You know, if we look at the leading cultural indicators of the past 30 years, Population has increased 41%. Gross domestic product has increased by 300%. Social spending has increased by 500%. And yet, there's been a 560% increase in violent crime, 400% increase in illegitimate births, 400% increase in the divorce rate, a 300% increase in single-parent homes, a 200% increase in teenage suicides, and a 75% drop in SAT scores. Why? What happened? Since 1963, the divorce rates, the breakup of family units, the acceptance of homosexuality, the teenage pregnancies, the murder of inconvenient babies, and crime rates have all escalated off the charts. What happened in 1963? Up till then, these things were improving, pretty much, but from that point on, they've all taken a uh, sharp move to catastrophe. In 1963, we outlawed the Bible from our schools. Well, what's ahead? What's in front of us in this project is what I call the ultimate literary adventure. And we hope that this brief excursion will result in a practical grasp of the entire Bible, a perspective from which you will be able to navigate your personal adventure through the rest of your lifetime and more. We're going to reach far beyond the Earth's prehistory, behind the myths of legend and folklore, to discover the greatest drama of all time and of all literature. We're going to encounter the greatest evils, betrayals, revenge, deceptions, and the ultimate prince of darkness. We'll also encounter the greatest good, the highest achievements, the noblest courage, the most demanding sacrifices, in fact, the ultimate sacrifice, the kinsman redeemer of all mankind. We're going to find ourselves in the greatest romance, a courtship between a sovereign God and his rebellious offspring. We will also explore the ultimate ironies of all literature with hidden surprises on every page. We will experience the rise of great empires as well as their fall. Through dreams, visions, and secret encrypted messages, great leaders will discover letters written to them personally from extraterrestrial sources, outlining their careers and achievements in advance, and giving them instructions as to how to proceed. We will thrill to heroes seizing victories against impossible odds. Betrayals of thrones and retributions and vendettas and conspiracies, tumbling proud empires. We will probe the greatest mysteries ever to confront mankind. The nature of time, the paradox of predestination and free will. The purity of God and the frustrations of man in the search for good amidst the reign of evil. And the nature of evil, where did it come from and why? We will discover this ancient record anticipates the very latest scientific discoveries of particle physics, cosmology, of hyperspaces and time travel. The discovery that we are dwelling within a virtual reality that is transcended by a larger one, into which both benevolent and malevolent super beings intervene from other dimensions. And we will stagger in awe of the biography of an actual superman his origin, his mission, and his manifest destiny, his understated powers, his betrayal, which was even under his own control, by which he was to accomplish his mission impossible, the Creator himself entering his creation to repair the damage introduced by a dark intruder who had previously ruled the planet Earth. We will discover that we are, in fact, in possession of an integrated series of messages from an extraterrestrial source that describe the origin, the career, and the destiny of super beings, which are behind the scenes of our physical universe. A universe which scientists now discover is actually a digital simulation contained within a much larger reality. The field of particle physics has totally altered our conceptions of reality. Scientists now tell us that our universe consists of at least 10 dimensions. There are some investigators who believe that much of what we call paranormal phenomena are simply dimensional episodes intruding from a larger reality. We also now discover that we are actually engaged in a cosmic warfare, a hyperdimensional conflict between good and evil that will come to a climax on our near horizon. We are the hostages of a prince of darkness that makes Darth Vader look like a Boy Scout. And we find that each of us are both the pawns and the prize in this cosmic warfare. Yet this isn't fictional entertainment. It will be the determinant of our own personal destinies. This is our ultimate adventure. It's the ultimate love story written in blood on a wooden cross that was erected in Judea some 2,000 years ago. We're going to undertake the ultimate adventure involving each of us in this interval between the miracle of our origin and the mystery of our destiny. If this series is successful, it should ignite a passion, perhaps even an obsession, that will inflame a lifetime of adventure, excitement, insight, and satisfaction not available through any other pursuit. This excursion is intended to be an enticement and a broad background against which to undertake detailed studies with a verse-by-verse commentary of each book in a lifetime hobby that is the gateway to eternity. We've presumed to take on this ambitious project because of our unique advantage. That's based on two discoveries. We have 66 books that we call the Bible, and even though they're penned by over 40 different people who didn't even know each other, over a period of virtually 2,000 years, the great discovery is that these 66 separate books, although penned by over 40 different individuals over several thousand years, we discover are an intricate, skillfully designed, integrated message system. And I don't simply mean that the theme of the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New. No much more than that. We discover every number, every place name, every detail in the text is there by deliberate design. And once you discover that for yourself, that leads you to the second discovery, And that is that this design, you can prove, had to have its origin from outside our space-time. That is outside our time domain. You say you can't prove the Bible. Yes, you can when you discover the uh, the integrity of its design and then recognize that it had to have its origin from outside the dimensionality of time altogether. One integrated design. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Now a few caveats before we go on we do have to recognize that the Word of God is inexhaustible. You can't learn everything about it in 24 hours. 24 years would be insufficient. But we do hope you can gain a navigational strategic view of it all. And the truth is in the details. The difficulty of a survey like this is we need to have a grasp of the details to understand the integrity of that design. Every detail in the Scripture, every place name, is connected with every other. Our goal is a strategic grasp of the entire design. We hope that you will gain a conceptual grounding in the major truths, but also have a navigational awareness so you can fit it all together. We have some advantages that were not available in the past. Many of the skeptical theories that pervade our culture have been disproven. The historicity of the patriarchal accounts is now well-established. People have denied there was writing in Moses' day. That's nonsense. We have substantial evidence of it being established much earlier. The Gospels and the Epistles have been dated to the second century. Nonsense. Recent discoveries have made them contemporaneous with the Apostles. Much to be uh, learned by the refutations that come from archaeological discoveries, recent documentary discoveries, and competent analysis of that which we have. So the facts and the science and the evidence is on our side. Some preliminaries. First, one of the things we always have to do, and I'm taking a, a study like this, is to blindfold our prejudices. We somehow need to shed the baggage of our preconceptions and our misconceptions that we can be bringing to the table here. The only sure barrier to truth is the presumption you already have it. So we want to set aside the myths and legends that have misled us and uh, go at this with a fresh look. 20th century science has vindicated the biblical perspectives of reality. The more you know about the frontiers of science, the more comfortable the creation account in Genesis reads. And we'll show you some of that. See, we know today that we live in a finite universe. That's the great discovery of 20th century science, is that the universe is finite. We also are indebted to Dr. Einstein and other discoveries in discovering that time is a physical property. The discovery of the nature of time is an essential foundation to really understand much of the biblical truth. And the realization of hyperspaces, that there are spaces of more than three dimensions we directly experience. That's been proven in the laboratory and is fundamental to really understanding much of what the Bible has to say. We have finite boundaries. We know that the universe had a beginning. That's what leads scientists to speculate on the so-called Big Bang models and so forth. Scientists also know that it's all winding down. Ultimately, our thermodynamic universe will eventually wind down and they have, they speak of what they call a heat death. So they see the universe having started at the singularity they call the Big Bang and it goes to an ultimate wind down. We are in a finite universe within a finite span of time. I want to talk a little bit, before we get into the actual study, some background things about the nature of reality. And I want to give you a quick glimpse of what we call in mathematics a hyperspace. Let's go back and recall what we may have learned in high school or college in trigonometry. You may recall that we had a triangle that had three angles. If we added up the angles of a triangle, it added up to what? 180 degrees no matter what triangle we took, it was always the angles would add up to 180 degrees. If we go out into a large field and lay out a very large triangle and we bring in the figures and we add up the angles that we measured and we discover they add up to more than 180 degrees, your first reaction might be that, gee, we've made a mistake. No, we simply have encountered the curvature of the earth. This little rule that we all learned that uh, angles of a triangle add up to 180 degrees, is only true for a universe of two dimensions. And when you find a rule like that being violated, it's a hint that we may have encountered an additional dimension. For example, if you take a course in navigation, part of that course will include some elements of spherical trigonometry in which you can have 90 degrees in each of the angles. In fact, you can also If you encounter a triangle that has less than 180 degrees, you've encountered a hyperbolic paraboloid. Now, most of us aren't going to be concerned with that. But the point is, these little rules are true of a universe of only two dimensions. That's why they call it plane trigonometry or plane geometry. Well, it was those kinds of insights that gave Dr. Einstein his insight when he was uh, grappling with the nature of space. His special theory of 1905, dealt with the relativity of mass, velocity, and time relative to the velocity of an observer. That's the special theory of relativity. But that led ten years later to his general theory, the general theory of relativity by Dr. Einstein. And we won't get into the math, of course, but it's important for each of us to understand the significance of Dr. Einstein's theory of relativity is that there's no distinction between time and space. That we don't live in three dimensions, we live in at least four. One of those is time. We call it the theory of relativity, but it's been confirmed over 14 different ways to 19 decimal places. So for practical purposes, it's it's well established. But we need to understand the nature of time because it will undergird so much of what we're going to encounter as we get into our Bible studies. Let me give you another example. There are atomic clocks that are accurate to better than one second in a million years. There's one of these located at the National Institute of Standards and Technology at Boulder, Colorado. There's an identical clock, virtually identical clock, at the Royal Observatory at Greenwich, England. Both these are very elaborate scientific devices that are incredibly accurate. They're accurate to better than one second per million years. I'm always reminded, whenever I encounter this, when I was on the board of a company that was acquiring a company that made cesium clocks in Boston, when we were in this acquisition, the proud president was presenting to our board the uh, fact that they made these clocks that are this accurate. And I I said, I only have two questions as an acquiring director. Uh, How do you know (laughs) and who cares? Well, the way you know is from the resonance of the cesium atom, and I won't go into that all here, but as who cares. The accuracy of your measurement of time determines the accuracy of your navigation. And these clocks, this kind of clock, makes the global positioning satellite system possible. But the point is, these two super clocks, in uh, Boulder, Colorado and at Greenwich, England uh, are differing every year by five microseconds. The one at Boulder is five microseconds a year faster than the identical clock at Greenwich. The question is which one is correct? The answer is they both are. The clocks are not inaccurate. Time is different. You see in Boulder, Colorado is at 5,400 feet altitude above sea level. In Greenwich, England, it's 80 foot above sea level. And time is actually different at those two uh, places because of a difference in gravity, among other things. These atomic clocks, if I had an atomic clock here on the platform and raised it one meter, it would speed up by one part in 10 to the 16th. In other words, 10 with 16 zeros after it. Not much, not enough to change your schedule, but it's predictable and it is measurable. And They actually did this. They sent aircraft around the world eastward, with a, such a clock and one at rest at the observatory. They also set one around the world westward. And they gained and lost exactly what Einstein's theory would have predicted due to the relative motions and so forth. But another example that perhaps we'll get this across, if you read a physics textbook in this area, you'll, they almost always talk about two hypothetical astronauts. And uh, we're going to leave one right here and we're going to send the other one to the nearest star. If you go out to the night sky, there is a star called Alpha Centauri. It's four and a half light years away, light years a measurement of distance. And we're going to send one of these imaginary astronauts to Alpha Centauri and back. Well, Alpha Centauri is four and a half light years away, so if we send him there at half the speed of light, it'll take nine years to get there and nine years to come back. It's an 18 year deal. That's on Earth time. If he takes a clock with him, he'll discover something strange. On his clock, his clock, because of the uh, uh, travel and so forth, will speed at a different uh, rate, and since he's traveling at uh, uh, 50% of the speed of light, you can apply the Lorentz transformations to make that correction, and you'll discover that when he gets back, he will end up being two years, five months younger than his twin brother. Here are two astronauts born at the same instant. One goes on this trip, And when he gets back, he'll be more than two years younger than his twin brother. And if that doesn't bother you, you weren't listening carefully. This is an example of what we call the dilation of time. Time is a physical property. It varies just as length, mass and other things vary, uh, due to Einstein's theory of relativity. And so let's dramatize this further. Suppose we could send him, assume we could send him at almost the speed of light, say 99.99% speed of light. Four and a half light year trip, round trip would be nine years on our clock. On his clock, it would be 33 days. So that gives you a feeling for, uh, it should help you understand that time is not an absolute, it's variable. It's It's not uniform. Time is a physical property. It varies with mass, acceleration, and gravity, among other things. And this is an insight that is profoundly useful as we approach some of the subjects we're going to talk about in this study. You and I, we now know, exist in more than three. In fact, the experts tell us we live in ten dimensions. More than three. See, all of us think of time as being linear. When we were in school, the teacher went to the blackboard and wrote a line, starting at the left and going over to the right. The left end of the line was the birth of the famous person, the founding of an empire, what have you, and the right end of that line would be the death of that person or the fall of that empire. All of us have made timelines in school. Well, because of that background, it's natural for us when we encounter the concept of eternity, we tend to jump to the conclusion that it's sort of like a line that starts at infinity on the left and goes to infinity on the right. In other words, we think of eternity as having lots of time. Well, that's good poetry. It makes a nice verse and Amazing Grace, the fourth verse and what have you. But it's uh, bad physics because, let me ask you a question. Is God subject to the restrictions of mass or acceleration or gravity? Hardly. He is not simply somebody with lots of time, as we tend to imagine eternity, but He's rather outside dimensionality of time altogether. And that is his uniqueness. And he uses that to authenticate his messages to you. That's what Isaiah means when he says, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Now, since God has the technology to create us, he certainly has the technology to get a message to us. The challenge is, how does he authenticate his message? How does he let us know that the message is really from him? and not some kind of contrivance or a fraud of some kind. Well, one of the ways he authenticates it, there's several ways, one of the ways he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. In other words, he writes history before it happens. We call that prophecy.
1: You've been listening to Dr. Chuck Missler, teaching through his series entitled Learn the Bible in 24 Hours, here on 6640. If you would like further information about materials available from Dr. Missler, please contact us through this station, or visit our website at khouse.org. Until next time, when Dr. Missler continues this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.